talking about Jesus' family and how Jesus came to earth uh, in and through a family and how today Jesus still has a family, uh, and that's called the church. The church is Jesus' family. So for those of you who are part of the Kingwood Church family, we want to welcome you. And for those of you who are guests today, uh, we want to say a really special welcome to you. It's good to have you here with us. You know, one of the great things about Christmas is we get to celebrate birth. And, uh, you know, who, who doesn't love the idea of, of birth or new life, new beginnings? There's nothing that sends excitement through a family like the announcement that somebody's going to have a baby. You know what I mean? That, that just kind of sends shockwaves through the whole family. I know both of the times that uh, Stacy, my wife, uh, was pregnant, it, ju- it just builds such a phenomenal anticipation that our family is going to grow a new life is going to join this group. This time next year sitting at this dinner table, there's going to be another person. I mean, there, there's nothing that builds the anticipation in a nuclear family or an extended family. You know, you start to decorate one of the rooms of your house. Isn't it funny how the smallest person in your family takes up the most room? You know, takes up the most, the most stuff, the most room, the most time. Uh, anytime somebody says, I've got good news, you know, we're expecting a baby. It's just a moment of joy. It's just an epic moment in a family's history. And at Christmas, we celebrate the greatest birth in the world. The eternal God entered into history. The Creator entered into His own creation. God who made man became a man, and He started as a baby. And we celebrate this time of year the most important birth the most important person who ever lived, Jesus. More songs have been sung about him, more paintings have been painted, more books have been written than anyone who's ever lived in history. In fact, you know, our entire calendar is kind of set on uh, before Christ, uh, B.C., A.D. The birth of Jesus sort of centered human history. And that's why we sing about him. That's why we send out Christmas cards with a manger scene. And that's why we're even here in this room this morning is because the greatest person who ever lived was born as a human. Now let's zero in this morning for a couple of minutes on why exactly was Jesus born? What was the, what was the purpose? What was the point of his birth? There's only one answer. There's only one answer that'll work. And that's this. Jesus was born not so that he could just have the experience of being human. Jesus wasn't born just so God could come to earth. Jesus was born so that we could have a born-again experience, so that we could have a new life, so that we could have a new eternity. Jesus was born so we could be born again. I mean, he was born to die. He was a child of destiny. He came to give his life away. Without Easter, Christmas doesn't make nearly as much sense. He wasn't born just to live on the earth and walk and uh, grow old, which he didn't do, and die one day. So the biggest opportunity in the world is to be part of Jesus' family. It's to be born again into another kingdom. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. Into what? into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here we see that same family language we started talking about last week. Praise to the God and Father. 
Here he's alluding to the, to the uh, love of God, the kindness, the compassion, the affection, the Father heart of God, the Father God who's shown great mercy toward us. Not an angry God, not a condemning God, not a critical God, not a God who's impossible to please. This is the Father God who's shown great mercy. What has this great Father God done for us? First Peter says he is giving us new birth. He's given us new life. So Jesus was born so that you and I could be born again, born into new life. Jesus is born. He's conceived in the womb of Mary. He doesn't have an earthly father. He doesn't have a sin nature. It's this miraculous birth that we celebrate. He grows, the Bible says, in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. He lives a life without sin. He preaches, he teaches, he heals people. He cares for the widow and the orphan and the outcast, the marginalized, the needy. Jesus lives the most amazing, extraordinary life in the history of the world. He then goes to the cross and dies in our place for our sin. Three days later, he comes back from the dead. Death is the consequence of sin. Since he had no sin, death could not hold him. So he was able to come back. Since he died for our sins, resurrection is our victory and our future. This is what this verse is all about. Christmas is about Jesus' birth. So my question to you this morning is, have you been born again? Have you had that experience? Have you trusted Jesus? See, I think one of the challenges in the part of the country that we live in is that cultural Christianity is so prevalent that we oftentimes misunderstand what Christianity is all about. What Christmas is about. What Jesus' life and death and resurrection were about. I think it, there's so many um, conveniences that are delivered to us in a Christian medium. We have Christian radio. And we have Christian teaching. And we have Christian movies. And we have a local church we can go to. And if we don't like that one, we can go find another one. We don't like that one, we can go find another one. And we can just do that 52 weeks a year. And there's so many things that are delivered to us in a Christian culture that we can begin to mistakenly believe that Christianity is about those things that are around us. I go to church sometimes. I do this. I'm a good person. I don't hurt anybody. I don't say bad things about people. You know, I'm generous. I'm unselfish. Therefore, I, I have been born again. Therefore, I am a, a, new, a new person in Christ. Uh, uh, there's so much devotional literature. There's so many blogs. There's so much access on the Internet to Christian thinking. That we can mistakenly believe that because we have that access, that we have that experience. And I just want to say to you this morning as we celebrate Jesus' birth, he was born so that we could be born again. Statistics tell us in the mainline church, somewhere around 40% of participants are not Christians. In our stream of Christianity, the kind of church that we are, statistics tell us that about 17% of people are not born again. So this may actually be the most relevant message of the year. It may be very relevant for someone here. So what I want to do this morning, if you have a pen, you want to take a few notes, I want to quickly just point out seven things that happen when you're born again. Seven things that change when you're born again. 
Now, some people change a little bit over time when they're born again. Some people change a whole lot real fast. The speed doesn't matter. What matters is that the work inside is being done. So if you have a pen, jot down these thoughts. When you are born again, you have a new Lord. In other words, all of a sudden, the most important person in your life is not you. The most important person in your life is Jesus. The highest authority in your life is not you anymore. The highest authority in your life is now Jesus. The greatest plans that you have for your life now aren't the plans that you have for your life. The greatest plans in your life are the plans that Jesus has for you. You have a new Lord. Here's the second one. You become a new person. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. You get a fresh, clean start and total forgiveness. That's why that, uh, sometimes in Scripture you'll see when a person comes to faith in Christ that their name changes. Abram becomes Abraham. Cephas becomes Peter. Saul becomes Paul. Why? Because the change was so profound they can't even be called by the same name anymore. They have changed. You can't meet Jesus and not change. You can't be born again and not change. It's, then you're not born again. Here's the third one. You get a new identity. You're no longer identified by what you've done or what other people have done to you. You're not identified that way anymore. You're not the guy who stole the money or the lady who cheated on her husband or the kid who was abused by his dad or the girl who ran away to escape family pain. You're not that person anymore. Neither are you anymore the quarterback or are you the head cheerleader or are you the prom queen. Your identity has been wiped away and you got a new identity. Your identity is now in Christ. Now you are a, a person God loves, one he forgives, one he saved, one he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Whatever you go through, you're not alone anymore. You're now identified with Jesus' family. The Bible says that in heaven, when we get there and leave this earth, that from every tongue and every tribe and every nation on earth, believers will gather from all time, from all places, and gather together in one harmonious family. And now you are identified eternally by that family. You get a new identity. Number four... You receive new power. In your old life, sin is very powerful and it makes you feel powerless. And that's why in a few weeks you're going to see, just wait, as soon as everybody stops making money off whatever they can sell you for Christmas, they're going to start making money off whatever they can sell you to get a new start and we call it a New Year's resolution, right? This year, and we get sucked in every year. I think a year is just long enough to forget what happened last year. We get a new year, right? We get a new year and a new start and all the buzz and all the blogs and all the talk shows will be talking about what's your new year's resolution and what are you going to do different? And everybody gets a gym membership and everybody gets a treadmill for Christmas with a little red bow on it. And everybody's totally locked in and faithful till January 14th. And then that thing becomes a coat rack. But the truth is, apart from God's power, you and I can't live a new life. Very little change will happen. But as a Christian, 
The Bible says you have new power. 2 Peter 3, 1 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Man, when you are born again, you've been given new power. Number five, you receive a new mind. Thank God. You receive a new mind. You start to think differently. Things you used to be proud of, you're now ashamed of. The way you see God, the way you see yourself, and the way you see the world has changed. You look at relationships different. You look at finances different. And your job and your family and your whole mindset has changed. How many of you have had that experience before? You're born again and things start to change in your mind. You go, wow, it's like I woke up and everything looks different. You get a whole new mind. Number six, you get new relationships. Jesus' family, the church, becomes a new family to you. God says he is father. Jesus is like the older brother who saves us. Then ladies are like sisters and men are like brothers. And for those of you who have the joy and the privilege of coming from a Christian family, you are doubly blessed. Because your, your human family, your nuclear, your family of origin are believers, are Christians. And then your church family is Jesus' family to you. And you are doubly blessed. And for those of you who don't come from a Christian family, I didn't come from a Christian family. You're not abandoned. Jesus' family is your family. Jesus has provided a family for you inside the body of Jesus. That's really what this series is about. Now here's the last one, number seven. You get new desires. You want to do things you never wanted to do before. And you don't want to do some things that you used to want to do. You get new desires. I can still remember when I was 16 years old and I was born again. I can still remember what happened. I got on this, uh, uh, I was sorry to say tangent. I got on this thing where I wanted to listen to nothing but praise and worship music. That was so different. Never crossed my mind when I wasn't a Christian. Never thought, I know what I'm going to do. Integrity Hosanna is what I want to listen to all the time. Never crossed my mind. That's back when we had little tapes. I know some of you that are younger don't know what that is. It's a little plastic case like this that holds music on it. You'd stick it in a little slot, look like a mouth on something. You'd pop it in there and it would eat it. And then it would play music in your car. It's not a disc. doesn't look like a Frisbee. You pop it in there and I, for two years of my life, I listened to nothing. When I got in my car, everywhere I drove, when I commuted, when I went to work, when I went to school, everywhere I went, for two years, I listened to nothing but praise and worship music. I couldn't get enough. I had, that was really weird to me and my friends. <laughs> More to my friends than to me. I never wanted to do that before. I never had that desire before. And then sometimes my friends would say, hey, are you going to go here with us? No, I'm going to church. Really? You got to go? No. I don't have to go. I want to go. Why? My desires have changed. You know, I saw such a neat example of this for me when our older, oldest son, Connor, was four years, four or five years old. Every night we used to get in his uh, little car bed and we'd read a little pictorial Bible. You know the little picture Bible for the kids? We'd read that every night, read stories. And I'd ask him, hey, would we get to some part in the Bible about 
Jesus wanting to have a relationship with you, and I'd say, do you want to pray and invite Jesus into your heart? He'd say, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. And then all of a sudden, one night after, I don't know, a year or two, one night he said, I really think I'd like to do that. I said, okay, let's pray. And let me tell you something I saw in the, in the life of a child that blew me away. Instantly. When we'd read the Bible story, we'd read it and go to bed. And he never had a question. He never had a comment. We'd just kind of read it, and that was it. The night we prayed, instantly I saw a hunger in him for God's word he never had before. He'd say, hey, and who was that guy? And wasn't that part of the story yesterday? And what about this? He immediately started to get interested. What is that about? That is about the new life of Jesus living inside us. Those, those of you who've been born again, what new desires has Jesus given you that you didn't have before? Think about in your life, what things that never crossed your mind before to do that you desire? What desires, old desires that you used to have, have now left you? If you're a Christian, your deepest desire is God's presence and His will. So I want to encourage you, live a passionate and a devoted and a committed life and don't settle for any lesser desires. I mean, go after God. He has given you new birth and new life. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. So go, go after him with all you got. Follow those good desires and abandon those old desires. Well, this morning I thought, what a neat opportunity we have as we're sharing together. In a couple of minutes, we're going to share water baptism. But this morning, I've asked someone in our church, George Dawson, George, would you come? George is going to come in uh, six or seven minutes. He's going to come and share with you his born-again story. And I thought, what a neat way to celebrate um, the born-again experience by hearing it in someone's life. So, George, you go ahead and share. Can you hear me? I can't see. I can't see you guys. I didn't realize that this blinding light. Um, hey, if you're going to be baptized in water, if you'd go ahead and make your way to the changing room, soon as George is done, we're going to do water baptism. Okay? If that's you, yes. Cafe Mundo. Sorry. Out those doors. Go left to Cafe Mundo, and we're going to do water baptism in a few minutes. Sorry, George. Thank you, Pastor. Um, perhaps it, let me go back a little bit in my, um, uh, my life story. Um, when I was about seven years old, uh, I, was, I was the youngest of six children, so I was the baby in the family. And there's, there's no um, residual resentment toward my father as I tell you the story, so don't think that I have an axe to grind or anything. But uh, my father was an alcoholic, and we had a few times been kicked out of her house for not paying rent and ended up on the street. But I remember being seven years old and my father came home drunk one night and he was, my mother went out there to, you know, give him his supper or whatever and he was, he was pretty upset with her for some reason. And he started beating on her and he started um, slugging her and slapping her and I could hear her saying, Walter, stop, please, please don't, don't. And as a seven-year-old boy, hearing it, in a small house in the other room, I was just, I was just petrified. I was, I was laying there in the bed, soaking in sweat and praying out, God, stop it, stop it, stop it. But he continued to beat her. Well, my 10-year-old sister, Charlene, she got up. 
she went out there and she confronted this, this big burly guy who was beating up her mother. And she, she just stood toe to toe with my dad and she just, his chest was just a ribbon of blood from her long nails scratching him. A 10 year old girl stood up to this guy. But I was afraid, I was a coward. I was laying in bed as a seven year old boy, just petrified. And I made a vow to myself, this man will never hurt me when I get bigger. I will do to him what he's done to my mom. So that was my angst, my anger, and my hatred toward my father. So fast forward to I was 16 years old. I was in a church. And at 16, I guess you get rebellious around 15 or 16. I don't know if any of you guys went through that. But my mother said, you, you are uh, going to continue to go to church. And I said, no. I'm not going to church anymore. I don't need church. I believed that God was real in my head. But I didn't want to live my life for God. I wanted to, that actually, that, the, the particular night that I got saved, that I got born again, I was planning on, on losing my virginity and getting drunk. Great, great ambitious goals, I know. But um, I went to, the ch to this church one last time because my mother made an agreement with me that she would get off my back if I went to this last church service. So, of course, like a fool, I went and... Uh, God had an ambush set up. The church was packed out like I was here last night for Scrooge, and as, as, as tight as the people were here with Scrooge, it was more packed at that church. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I've been to church a lot. I believe God is real, that he exists, but I don't want to live my life for God. I want to have fun. I want to enjoy my life. I'm 16. I've got, this is what I want. And as I was standing there thinking, the altar call was given, and it was asked if anyone wanted to receive Christ as their Savior and their Lord to come down front. And I was thinking, okay, got it made. I've heard this. I know how this works. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And I started thinking of the girl that I was going to go see and how I was going to get the, the wine and all this stuff I was thinking in my mind. Does that sound like pretty, like, a, a terrible person to you guys? Kind of? What do you think, Diane? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> and um, at any rate... The thought passed through my mind, Christ died on the cross for you, George. He was crucified for you. And I had a picture of Christ in my mind, stretched out on the cross, bleeding in an agony. And I thought, excuse me if I get emotional at this point. <clears throat> I thought, you dirtbag. You're thinking of going out and sinning. You've really got to walk across the cross of Jesus Christ to do what you want to do. You have to walk over the, the, the suffering body of Jesus Christ. And I thought, uh-uh. My heart broke. In that instant, I said, Lord, the drinking's off. The fornication, it's off. That's not going to happen. I surrender my life to you, Jesus Christ, right now in this church. Before I ever left that pew, I was born again. There's something that happened inside of me it wasn't just a decision of a person to be religious. There was something that happened inside my heart that I knew, that I knew, that I knew. The Bible says the Spirit of Christ comes in us. And you know that. You know it so much that, you, that I think the, the verse says you cry out, Abba, Father. I knew in that second I had a Father that loved me. It would not be brutal to me. It would not hurt me. It would love me. And in that second, I was born again. Now, my... My, my head said, 
okay, this is the right thing to do. This is, you know, do this. And my heart said that. So I went down to the altar and got prayed for, and I went home. And my mom had preceded me to the house and informed my father that I had gotten born again. Well, it wasn't good news to my dad because he, he hated Christians. He figured all Christians were hypocrites. You're just, you just join the boatload. So when I went home, he says, this is, is this true? Did you accept Christ? I said, yes, I did. And he started cursing out Jesus and using profanity. And just, it was just appalling to me. And he says, you believe in Jesus? Is he going to protect you from me? And he pulled back his hand to hit me. And I'm telling you, my dad was a bruiser. He was a tough guy. He would beat a couple of cops up stone drunk. This guy was not a wimp by any means. And he pulled back his fist to hit me. And I thought, this is it. I got saved an hour ago, and now I'm going to go meet Jesus. Because <laughs> he, he pulled back his fist, and then he started shaking, and he started sweating. And I thought, what's going on? He's not having a crisis of conscience here. He has no conscience. So he, he was going to hit me, and all of a sudden, and I to this day believe that God sent an angel and said, no, Walter Dawson, you're not going to hit George. This is not happening tonight. But I think God wanted me to say, to him by my actions, to God by my actions, yes, Lord, when I said no to fornication, when I said no to alcohol, I also said no to hatred because he said, I love Walter Dawson. And I said, what? Jesus, I'm 16 years old. I surrendered my heart to you an hour ago. You can't love this drunken, wife-abusing, child-abusing man. You can't love him. And God says, I do. I had to tell my dad, I said, Dad, an hour ago, I would have beat you to the punch. And trust me, that was an honest statement. I would have definitely beat him to the punch. But at that moment, I couldn't deliver the, I was thinking if I hit him in the throat, I'll break his windpipe and he'll be dead. This horrible man will be out of my life. And Jesus Christ said, George, I love him. You tell him I love him. And I thought, oh, no, this is not working the way I planned. I thought when I got saved, it, it'd be a little bit different than this, you know? What's that? Hello? Hello? Anyway, uh, so in that moment, God was saying to me, George, if you're born again, if I'm in your heart, am I Lord of everything? So I had a baptism of, of fire, as it were, in, in the sense that the Lord said, lay down your life for me. Be willing to lay down your life for me. So when my dad pulled back his fist to hit me, and he didn't deliver the punch. He walked off, went in the bedroom, and, and blacked out and fell on the bed. I was spared. But the, the point that I'm making is um, when you're born again, you know beyond the shadow of doubt that God has entered into your life, into your heart. It's not just a religious... Um, decision that you make. It's an occurrence. It's a, it's a transformation that occurs inst instantaneously, as Pastor pointed out. Um, just a postscript. My dad died when he was in his 70s. And the last few days of his life, me and my two sisters took care of him. I had actually moved out of the house with my wife and, and stayed the last few months with my dad while he was dying of cancer. And in the last few days of his life, he accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior and Lord. So. Wow. What a story. 
That's worth a hundred sermons. That's the change that Jesus makes. And that's the reason Jesus was born. Think about it. Jesus was born so, so George could be born again. And me. And you. And so I just want, as uh, our team is preparing for baptism, I just want to ask everybody to close your eyes. Bow your heads. Maybe you're like George was and you're here this morning and you say, you know, I'm here. Maybe you're a guest. Maybe you've never been here. Maybe you've been here two or three times. Maybe you've been here ten years. But in your heart you say, I need, I need Jesus in my life. I need that born-again experience. I need a relationship with God that changes me because I've not been changed like that yet. And if that's you, I just want to ask you, to simply say a prayer with me. And to, uh, maybe you're a teenager and you know you're a church kid. And because you always went to church. That you think everything's okay, but as you heard this morning, something stirred in your spirit and you said, it's not okay. I need that relationship with God. So if you'd like me to pray with you, right where you sit. I just want you to lift your hand and say, I'd like you to pray with me. I need Jesus in my heart. See your hand. Somebody else. I see your hand in the back. Yeah. Somebody else. Somebody else. Just lift your hand. I'll pray with you where you are. I see your hand. Thank you. You can put it right back down. Somebody else. Big, big, big things happening right now. Huge things. George's life is entirely different than it ever would have been because of that experience with God. That relationship he has with him today. I want to pray with you. Anybody else before I pray? I want to pray with you. Then we're going to celebrate water baptism together. Everybody just repeat this prayer after me and particularly those of you who lifted your hand. Dear Jesus, I thank you for being born so that I could be born again. I thank you for forgiveness and life. Enter into my heart. Forgive me. Wash away all of my sins. Change me. Be my Lord. Now give me the strength to live for you. I receive new life. 